Welcome to Demand Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Demand, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here Demodcast. Thank you if it's your first time, and thank you if it's your next time for joining us on Demand Does. Uh, before we get started, please remember to leave a five star review wherever you downloaded this from. Leave some notes or comments or whatever because it helps the show grow. It's I don't know how it works, but that's those are the rules, and that's what we're going with. And now, on with the show. My next guest is a huge Harry Potter fan. This is the graft, a.k.a. Pettywise, a.k.a. Drums Over Flats, a.k.a. I pour my milk before the cereal, a.k.a. Save it, bitches. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Excited to be here. I don't know if it's a competitive fire in me, but one of my co-hosts was on here before, so I've got to make sure this this comes out much better. So I'm excited to, uh, to get going. First of all, thank you for taking time out to talk to a perfect stranger. I appreciate it. I always take the opportunities to meet new people and anything that can get me away from the craziness of four kids, one wife and no pets. I'll, I'll take, I'll take advantage of each time. <laughs> <laughs> take care of those quiet moments when you can. Cause they're, exactly. they're few and far between. I'm sure. It's crazy. You would think, cause my age gaps are, we had it perfectly until our last child. So my age, my ages are 15, 10, three, and then nine months old. So they were all around six years age difference. Another one being in college at the same time, which would have been perfect. Brilliant. But, but now nah, then we had this, we, we messed up the math on the last one. <laughs> <laughs> we're okay. Before we get started into the six questions, where would you like to be found on the internet? In my intro, which, I'm, which they'll probably get on me later, I forgot to. Shout out the podcast that I'm on, Those Guys Over There. You can find us on Twitter at Those Guys Over There. No, I always get this wrong. At TGOT Podcast. Um, on Instagram at, at TGOT Podcast. And you can find me on all socials at Pettywise87. <laughs> Pettywise. I, when I, first time I saw I was like, that is amazing. Where did you get that from? Where did that moniker come from? So I have to credit my wife for coming up with the moniker. I live by my, my life by being petty. I used to call myself the habitual line stepper, among other uh, monikers. I had never seen the original It's um, movie, um, but when the remakes came out, me and my wife saw it, and she said, yeah, that's Pennywise the Clown. After a couple minutes, she was like, <laughs> he said something extremely petty to uh, the main character, something about Georgie floating. And I was like, that's super petty. And she was like, yeah, you should probably call yourself Pettywise. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. You don't, you've just created a brand. <laughs> and, and here we are. <laughs> yes, I love it. All credit to her. I usually, don't, I usually don't tell her that I credit her with her because she, she's got enough to hold over me. But I'm sure you can agree as a husband, we usually cannot get ahead. It's always, we're always playing from behind. We're, we're always playing for overtime. There's never a win. Just <laughs> <laughs> for overtime, yes, yes. Get some more time, yeah. DeGraff Johnson, 
CEO of Petty. Are you ready to answer the six questions? Let's do it. Question number one. When did you know you wanted to get into podcasting? I didn't really know I wanted to get into podcasting. It just kind of, it was like a perfect storm. So one of my co-hosts, Tim, said to us uh, long before we started, well, we should do a podcast. We always talk about this stuff at the bar and all these conversations and debates that usually become very heated. <laughs> um, we, are, we have all these. And he was like, we should record it and because I'm sure people would like to uh, listen. And I was like, no, I don't even know what a podcast is. I, I don't want to, I don't want to have the things I say to you when I'm upset <laughs> recorded. So no way. It kind of died down. And then I was taking, we were taking a long trip down to Atlanta for a family thing and music was getting on my nerves. I was like, what else can we listen to? And my wife said, oh, we can listen to a podcast. I was like, okay, I don't know what, what that is, but put something on. And she put on, Amanda Seals had just come out with her podcast. So we listened to one of those episodes and I'm listening to it. And halfway through, I'm like, this is a podcast. You just talk about whatever you want. And that's it. I was like, we should have been doing this years ago. (laughs) So I come back from that trip and I'm like, guys, listen, I have the perfect idea. Let's do a podcast. Tim was pissed. He was upset. I was like, yeah, I don't know why no one's ever brought this up before, knowing full well that he's been trying to get us to do it for a while. But that's kind of what got me into it because he was right. I just didn't take the time to really look into what a podcast was. I mean, to a certain extent, I knew what they were, but I listened to, I had heard, they were like actual play podcasts or like criminal podcasts, something that really had a theme. Whereas when I listened to Amanda Seals podcast, she was just talking about anything. I was like, we can do that all day. How did you come up with the name Those Guys Over There for your podcast? So that's another story. So me and Phil, another one of my co-hosts, we met in high school. He had already known Tim. I mean, had already known Jeff, excuse me. And then I met um, our other two co-hosts, Tom and Tim, through college. And then we all kind of got together. So after we graduated college, we had that streak of three or four years where Every other Friday or Saturday, we were in somebody's club, somebody's bar, somewhere, you know, just having a good time. And we're all five different personalities, but we're, none of us are really introverted, especially when we're out drinking. So we were at this one hookah lounge in D.C. We were just having a good time. It's one of our friend's birthday. And there was a, a party of women with one gentleman that were just kind of fixated on what we were doing. The lady buys our entire table around the shots and we hear her say yeah this is for those those guys over there they're having a good time they're partying and I don't remember who kind of decided we would co-opt that as a name but it came from some random lady who wanted to party with us about us all these shots question number two what do you wish you had known when you started out I wish I would have known that dealing with five different schedules, five different personalities, five different opinions would be one of the best, but also worst things that ever I would ever experience. When we first started out, we were really raw. We thought, oh, we just hit record, <laughs> start 
to start recording our conversations and we put it out and it's fine. We had no structure. We, we had no kind of hierarchy as far as, all right, when we're all, when there's a disagreement on how to proceed, how do we kind of break that log jam? So we had a, a lot, some issues in the beginning where we wanted to take different directions and we were like, everyone gets an equal vote. And if we don't, if we all don't agree, we don't do it, which is a terrible way to run a podcast or a business or really anything in your life. So I wish I w- we would have done more in the beginning to structure how decisions would be made, how to divvy up kind of different tasks between producing the podcast. Because the fun part is what we're doing now. We're sitting here and recording and we're having a good time, but it's the social media, the marketing, the the editing, and all the other things behind the scenes that, again, I was, I was very raw to what podcasting was about. I didn't even know that I would be interested till I heard that one podcast. So had I known or even done more research about the process of putting a podcast together, um, I would have loved us to build that uh, structure much better. Mm. So anybody who's listening and is thinking about doing a podcast, if it's it's easier if it's a solo podcast because you're the sole decision maker, you do what you want. But if you got two, even two or three other two or three other people that you're working with, you've got to really have a good plan in place as to how different um, either conflicts or just decision making in general is going to be handled. So you guys have that hierarchy in place. What was the straw that broke the camel's back without getting without throwing anybody under the bus? No, I'm petty. I'll throw every any and everybody off the bus. I tried, so guys. That, no, listen. <laughs> The person that I butt the head butt heads with the most, and anybody who listens to the show, who listens to our show, will probably guess, is Tim. I don't know what it is about that light skinned bald headed dude, but we just don't get along sometimes. And it's not even that we don't get along. I'm very, he's very opinionated, but he's usually wrong, and I can't allow someone who's wrong <laughs> to to get away with it. The other guys are more amenable. They're like, oh, that's just Tim. Da, da, da. Nah, I can't. So <laughs> a lot of times it's a battle of attrition because neither of us want to budge. And it got to a point where we, you know, the, the guy said, all right, we have to find a way to either break the tie because neither of you guys are going to uh, sway the other guy's way or we, we don't know how long we can <laughs> continue doing this podcast. So I would definitely say me and Tim were the catalyst to making sure we had... <laughs> checks and balances in place, I'll call it that. When we started, we wanted to, we wanted to be consistent and we, yeah, we just, we just kind of crank them out. I think we have like six or seven lost episodes that we'll probably never see the light of day <laughs> just, just with how, how things went. But yeah, we, we, uh, we tried to be real consistent. Have you feel like you've hit a stride, like where you've got kind of like a rhythm to not only, you know, how your shows go, you know, and the structure and everything, but also the behind the scenes stuff, you know, with the editing, like we were talking, you were talking about earlier with the editing and the marketing and all that. No, I don't think we've caught a stride only because I think we succeed more when we're uncomfortable. I think if we were too complacent in how we have things, we, you would, you would kind of hear that in the show and we've, and that we've been in that point, especially with the pandemic, because we started before COVID. So we were meeting First, it was weekly to record, and then wives started chirping up. So we started meeting bi-weekly and recording two episodes at a time. Um, and then it went to not doing everything through Zoom. And the energy would be different, and the you know the interaction would be different because 
it's just a, a different vibe online versus in the same room. So we had a point like right when the pandemic started and we were recording that we were like, the show is not the same. We've got to switch up what we're doing to bring that feel back. Because before we were kind of, we were a little bit more structured where we'd have a topic and then we have two or three topics that would branch off of that. So we'd have like an outline and we knew we'd want to stay around this. But we knew in person we could riff off each other and kind of take it wherever it needs to go. Over Zoom, since we don't have that same energy, we had to, we kind of, we abandoned the topic piece. We would have talking points that weren't related. So we know if something was dying, we could just switch to, to a new talking point and take it from there. And we found that the less structure we had, the more relaxed we were in what we were talking about. And we could kind of recreate that same kind of feel we had when we were in person. We're always going to be that way only because once I feel I'm getting too comfortable, we've got to switch something up. I just feel like there's, there's complacency in, in that. So Jeff would love to hit a stride because he's very process oriented. So I know I get, I get on his nerves with, oh, okay, it's time to change this and we can't continue doing this. But I, I feel that's what keeps it fresh. Question number three. What's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? So my favorite hometown restaurant is going to be very pedestrian. It's Chipotle. So I'm going to give you what my order is, but I'm also, at any chance I get, I educate the masses on what to do when you go to Chipotle. <laughs> so for me, so for me, chicken bowl, well, it's a chicken, chicken and steak bowl, double meat, white rice, pinto beans, the fajita veggies, corn, salsa, and cheese, and then in the burrito or a bowl, depending on how I'm feeling. This is my favorite restaurant because when me and Phil were in high school, we, we played a lot of basketball. And as a 16, 17, 18-year-old, the metabolism is way different than it is now. Ooh. So <laughs> so we would go to Chipotle and we'd have a burrito before we play. We play maybe two or three hours. Then we go back to Chipotle and order two more burritos and eat them all in one sitting. Wow. Um, and I And we never got tired of it. And this is like maybe a two or three times a week deal. Now for the tips in Chipotle. Don't make these mistakes. One, if you want double meat, you can't tell them right away. Because if you tell them you want double meat, for whatever reason, the workers at Chipotle, they feel like, feel like they're owners. Like they have to ration the food from you. And I'm like, bro, it's not yours. You're not taking it home. Like, just give me the food I want. So for me, I get chicken and steak. So I just tell them when they ask me what meat do I want, I say I want chicken. They'll take the scoop and put it in. Now you've seen what their full scoop is. So when you go back and say, actually, you know what? I want steak too, double meat. If they try to give you less on the steak, you've already seen what their true uh, proportion <laughs> is for a regular scoop. So you can call them out right then and there. So <laughs> always delay your double meat um, order until you see what the first scoop looks like. And then uh, I got so many tips. I'll just do this one too. Just this is this is a big one. Never online order. You have to watch them make your food. Because just like with the um, the meat portions, they don't. You're not in front of. Them. They don't care what they put in the bowl. They know that you're gonna pick it up, walk out, go home, and be disappointed. Never order online. You got to watch them put it together for you. Tips I never would have thought about. 
until now. Let's see, you always learn something here on Demond Does. And once again, I think this is the first time that I'm like, wow, that was a really good tip. I'd never even thought about that on this <laughs> question because it usually comes with the next one. <laughs> there you go. I'm switching it up on you. Yeah, that's what you said. So, okay. Well, you switched up my intro. Now you switched up where I where I get my uh, uh, epiphanies and new information. It's a win. Question number four. What are you curious about? For me, it's the how life actually works. I don't believe in reincarnation in a certain in a sense, I don't think if this life ends, I could come back as a butterfly or, you know, anything like that. But I don't, I do believe that things keep going. So if I were to pass away today, I feel like I go from, you know, let's say I make it to 80 years old, pass away. I feel like the, the next thing I'm going to experience is new life again. And I don't really know know how I feel about the whole time aspect. I don't know if it's it within the same time or if it's just kind of a loop where I'm back in 1987, born again, and it just kind of relives. But I, you've seen examples of people standing next to like paintings from like the 1500s and it's the exact same face, right? So I, that's why I feel like you go through life so many different ways, so many different times throughout time that there's no true... So the graph Johnson may end, but the, like the essence of you and how you go throughout just time in general, that doesn't end. And I don't even know how I would even um, explain that to make sense to some people, but it just feels like there's, there's more to just whatever this life is. And I'm not really a religious person or spiritual in a way. I just think that the essence of life isn't you can't can't be lived once but like deja vu is a big thing for me because I think that it's really a reimagining of something you've done in another life so you could be having the same conversations the essence of them because someone if you lived in the 1500s you weren't talking about Jeff Bezos or you know Elon Musk but you may have been talking about the that whoever that person was within that time Mm -hmm. so when you're having a conversation now about Jeff Bezos and he's like, damn, I feel like we've talked about this before. You may have, you may have been talking about King Louis the 32nd. I don't know, but it's like, it's just something that I feel like demand has, the graph has, everybody has lived many different lives before and will con- will continue to until who knows the reverse big bang. I don't know. I thought you said you weren't very deep or didn't think about these times. <laughs> I used to say before I had a before I started a podcast, I used to say that I don't have an opinion on anything. I just kind of go with the flow. Um, but what I didn't realize was I just didn't I didn't feel the need to have to impart my opinion on anyone else. Because I think when you feel like you have to put your opinion on somebody, that's where it becomes it can become an issue or it can become overbearing. If someone asks you my opinion, I'll give it to you if you ask, but I'm not going to get on a soapbox and say, this is what I think. And you need to think this too, to a certain degree. If you don't ask me what I think, I I assume you don't care. 
or you're stuck in whatever way you think. So I'm not going to waste the, the time in this life to try and convince, unless you're Tim. If you're Tim and you're extremely wrong, I have time for that. But other than that, I don't have I don't have the time to continue to argue with anybody or try to ch- or try to change who anybody is for better or worse because that's not my charge in life. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, something I'm curious about: you've been hit by a car three times. Uh, yes, I have. It is. It's been like an eight in in like different stages of my life. So the first time I was hit by a car, I was eight years old at uh, the ice cream truck. And I had 50 cents, but it was 75 cents for this, uh, probably like a Mickey Mouse popsicle with like the bubblegum eyes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I was, so I said, stay right here. I got to run home and get another quarter. So I run across the front of the ice cream truck and bam, I'm literally on the top. I'm on some, I'm on a hood. Like I'm, I'm, I'm on this. Oh my gosh. So the guys, you know, the guy stops. He's like, Oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? I was like, I just need a quarter. I just need a quarter. Like I was in shock at this at this point. Like, I just need a quarter. I just need a quarter. The guy was like, I can give you a quarter, but you, we might have to go see some. I was like, no, I'm fine. Just, I just need a quarter. So the guy gives me a quarter and I buy my uh, popsicle and I move on. One of my toes is kind of crooked. And I think that's when it happened. Like, I, I don't know definitively because I didn't notice at the time. But I think that's when it happened. Second time I was hit by a car was like a semi-road rage incident. So I'm driving along and this, this she says I cut her off. I, I believe that my signal was on long enough for you to understand that I need to get into this lane. Because at some point, I have to get over. And if you... When I act like you're not going to let me, something's going to happen. Either I'm going to let you pass me and I'm going to miss my turn. Or as soon as I feel like I have enough space, I got to get over. So I get over and she's honking at me and making all this noise. And this was at a time, the car I had, I sat really low. So she, I don't think she thought I was as tall as I was <laughs> or as big as I was. So she's honking at me for like, I want to say two, two and a half miles. So finally I pull over. And she pulls over and I, I was like, what's your problem? Like, what's the deal? And she looks at me <laughs> and <laughs> she backs up. And so we pulled over on the um, right side of the street. So I'm standing like at the front door, at our passenger side. They're like, what's your problem? What's your problem? She backs up really fast and goes to get back in the street. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. But she clips me with <laughs> the uh, passenger side of her car. Oh, my gosh. She keeps, she keeps going. And I, I went to the urgent care. They said it was fine. But it, she, she hit me pretty hard. And that was that was a dagger. I never got a license plate or anything like that. And since nothing was wrong, I just kind of, I never, but I never, ever again got out of the car. Anybody honking at me, any road raging. So I was like, I'm done with that. Lesson learned. Yeah. But, well, maybe I got hit by a car one more time. So the third time I got hit by a car, me and my wife were at this, uh, this like early morning brunch. And you know how brunch goes, the drinks are flowing mm-hmm. and people don't do this at home. But the drinks were flowing and we go to leave and my car got towed from where I parked down in DC. They, they towed my car. So I said, where do you guys tow? They took the, all the way, like 
five or six blocks down the road. So I had to walk drunkenly down to, down DC to go get my car. And my wife wasn't too far <laughs> off of where I was. So I was like, you just sit here. I'm going to go get the car. So I go get the car and I'm going, at, I thought it was time to cross the street, but it obviously wasn't because this car, I'm in, I'm not, I'm like, I probably took two or three steps off the curb into the crosswalk, hit by another car. Like I'm back on, I'm back on a hood. And the what? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you in the street? And I was like, my bad, my bad. I, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm just trying to get to my car. I get back on the curb. He's throwing all types of sunnies. Oh my, and I'm at, I get to a point where I'm like, you hit me, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> all, I, all I need to do is line the street and you have a problem, but it's okay. And I finally get to my car and I drive back to go pick up my wife. She's nowhere to be found. Oh, <laughs> so no. now I'm driving around DC looking for my wife. And then I'm at a stoplight. I just see her crossing the street. I'm like, what are you doing? Where are you going? <laughs> and then we, we, we finally get home. Again, don't do this at home. If, if you drink, get a ride or whatever. This was years ago, but that was the third time I was hit by a car. So yeah, but it's been a good 10 years since the last time. So I think I'm doing pretty good. You're wiser now and uh, hopefully at least a little more careful. When I was a kid, I didn't look both ways. So maybe that was on me. And the only one that I know for sure is not me is that lady clipping me in the street. But I, li- I live to tell the tale. Question number five. What should I have asked that I didn't know enough to ask? We didn't talk about the most controversial thing in my life. And I tease it a little bit in my intro. I pour the milk before the cereal. I heard that. And then I was like, is that like a, just an AKA funny thing? Or is he serious? I'm 100% serious. I hate cold milk. I don't like the taste of it. It messes with my teeth. But I love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. So you see my dilemma. So I pour my milk and I pop it in the microwave for 35 seconds exactly the milk isn't hot it just doesn't have a chill so then i pour my cereal and i can enjoy it i've if i have any cereal really if i have it with cold milk it's just not enjoyable to me so that's the reason i pour my milk before my cereal so anyone who says that they do that at least ask the question because if they're we're not all sociopaths we're not all psychopaths we all didn't murder pets as a kid, we may have a reason. And that's my reason. I'm originally from the Gambia, West Africa. That's where I was born. And then we moved here when I was three. So I, I have no recollection of what <laughs> Africa is like. Like, or the Gambia, I have no recollection. But I have cousins and uncles, and they all poured the milk before the cereal as well. But not for the same reason. They were just taught that way. It could be, you know, a temperature thing for me. It could be a cultural thing for others, but there's a reason. And you may know, I don't know any admitted serial killer that has said that they pour their milk for their cereal. So I don't even know where the correlation comes from, but (laughs) there's that. As far as I know, that's correct. So at least we have a 100% chance of you not becoming a serial killer or being the very first one. So it's funny you say that. 
<laughs> because I, I say this all the time as far as the pandemic and being locked in with the family. I love my family. We're all much closer because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I stand on the fact that no man was meant to spend this much time with this family. It's just not how it worked. Back in the back in uh, cavemen, they were hunter gatherers, right? You left the family at home. You were gone for maybe three. Who knows how long? Looking for a mastodon to bring back home. You do that, and <laughs> you go back and forth. Maybe not mastodon. I don't know. I'm getting my periods messed up. But you, you, you know, food. So, and I feel that that part of evolution hasn't gone away. You, you're there for your family. You support them and all that. But there has to be that time away. So. To your serial killer comment right before the pandemic we bought a house like literally a month before we were um just it was three of us it was three kids at the time yeah i'm one of those cliche i had a pandemic baby so it's it's it is what it is we were in a small two-bedroom and then apartment and i i really i truly believe that if we were stuck in that apartment during the pandemic everybody wasn't making it it's just <laughs> would have been impossible. <laughs> Question number six. If you could create a new holiday, what would it commemorate? I'm going to have to cheat on this question. I don't have a holiday to create, but I have some to eliminate. Okay. Wanda has to go. I know what they were trying to do. I appreciate the sentiment, sentiment, but it just it doesn't work. One, I can't I can't celebrate a holiday like that that isn't even older than my parents. That just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. They co-opted the 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 <laughs> they co-opted the, the week of Hanukkah and put Kwanzaa on top of it to make it have more weight because you know. Hanukkah has been there for, you know, years and years and years, and they've got it established. And they threw Kwanzaa on there with these days and these the names of these days. And it, it just hasn't stuck, unfortunately. And I, I don't know if you're uh, a family that celebrates Kwanzaa. If you are, and I'm offending you, I apologize. But just, I got to be real. And I got to be petty. Just like, well, not just like, because Columbus Day had to go for different reasons. But that was the day they had to go as well. So I'm not comparing the reason they had to go. I'm just comparing. That's a holiday that's got to go. Kwanzaa's like Pluto. You guys tried it. It didn't. It, it doesn't fit quite fit the criteria. We've got to move on. Pluto? Why you got to pick on Pluto? I didn't make the choice. Oh, another thing. We didn't talk about this. Well, what are your thoughts on space? I'm, I'm going to flip this on you. What are your thoughts on space? I'm not. Uh, can you be more specific? There's lots of it. So not the planets. But just like space in general, like I think space is probably one of the most useless things around. The actual expanse of space, nothing can live up there. There's nothing to be sustained. Yeah, the planets revolve in space. So the planets are useful, but space itself, like this vast expanse that they say goes on for all these light years and but of, of almost nothingness. Like literally the expanse of space is just nothingness. There is no sound, there is no oxygen, there is nothing in the expanse of space. Why are P 
people so fascinated by space? I believe human beings, how do I put this? We're always looking for answers. That's one thing we do as a species is ask questions. Whether we get the right answers or not is a totally different uh, ball of wax. But we ask a lot of questions. And that's how we've gotten all the advances that we've gotten to. And space is one of those ultimate questions right after is what happens after we die. We don't, there's something, we, we can see it, but we don't know anything about it. We don't even know really much about the human body, to be honest. But we don't know anything about space. We can't live there. Like you said, we can't live there. There's nothing to do, sustain us. Are there other beings out there? There's, there are so many more questions to ask with space that I think that's why we're fascinated by it. So at what point, like Kwanzaa, do we cut our losses? Like, that's what I, what I want to know. I am definitely afraid afraid of the ocean and the ocean in general, because if I'm on a boat and it sinks in more than six feet of water, I'm done. Like there's, there's no living for me. Right. So I'm definitely afraid of the ocean, but I feel like there's way more to discover in the ocean that we can actually work toward discovering, but we're spending billions of dollars to go into space for 30 minutes, <laughs> float around and come back and come back down. I just, I just don't, it, I don't get it. The answers to that may be uh, different. Um, the motivations are definitely different because anybody can get underwater. I mean, you can go to the ocean, bloop, go in there. You know what I mean? Not everybody's been to space. We've all been in water. There's a something called, uh, was I believe it's called the halo effect. Like when you go into space and you can actually see the earth in, in, in the vast space, um, in, in the vastness of space, it can help ground a person to realize that, you know, we are on, we are one small part of a big group uh, or a big collective. And um, this is all that we have on, you know, as far as the planet goes, at least as far as we know so far. I just met you, Demond. So, <laughs> am I in trouble? <laughs> a million and a half dollars to get grounded. I don't, I don't <laughs> I'm not saying I agree with you. <laughs> what I'm saying is that that the halo effect does does happen. It, and it, and if maybe if enough people act billionaires actually go up there and maybe they'll they're like, oh, maybe we do need to save this planet because this is the only rock we got. But no, we keep sending sociopaths up there. It's like, oh, I know what I want to do. I want to send stuff into space now and go ruin outer space too. End rant. <laughs> but I, yeah. but you're, you're, you're I've never, again, like I said, I did like, earlier, I never would have, I never really thought about it. But yeah, we should just explore, we should explore what's in the, what's in the oceans. We, this planet is what, 70% water? And we don't know, we only know a bit of, a small bit of what's in it. Right. Like we still don't know what's all the way down in the Mariana Trench. I just learned about that maybe a week ago. So I don't know. I just, when it comes to space, like, and even, and then when I talk about what's useful and what's not, the ocean is useful, right? Things can live down there. There's food to sustain most people. I don't eat seafood, but people that do, there's food to sustain us. Like there's use, there's use to the ocean. So finding out more about the ocean could just make it more useful. Space so far has proven to be useless, except Jeff tried to make the point that we throw our trash up there. Like, okay, so space is a 
a billion dollar landfill, I, I, I can't get with it. What other holidays? That's that's. <laughs> would I would I eliminate? Yes. I don't want to eliminate Juneteenth, but I want to. I feel like there's a different date that we can celebrate because Juneteenth is a celebration of the last African Americans actually finding out they were free almost two and a half years ago. I don't see that as a celebration. I see that more sad than anything else. So it's hard to it's hard for me to commemorate that day because it just kind of it really echoes what we're still dealing with in a lot of cases today with you know systematic inequalities and and racism. So to and now you know companies like when it when Juneteenth was just for lack of a better term a black holiday that we celebrated kind of internally like we took the day off as as a culture and we we did our own thing that made a lot of sense to me now that it's becoming a national holiday and target is selling juneteenth shirts and companies are you know trying to appear for lack of a better term because i hate this word but woke and giving their giving um all their employees off of the day it just cheapens it even more it was like this it's not for you in a sense so and a lot of people disagree with me that the, the national recognition and all this and all that that's not going to change anything like that's not changing anything with our cultural landscape landscape excuse me or you know what's going on with racism within different sectors and society so i could care less about juneteenth being nationally recognized because it's not changing anything so if Juneteenth go back to being an underground black holiday, I'd love that. Wow, I like that. DeGrab, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. I I hope I hope I was uh able to entertain. That's that's what I like to do. So I had fun. I hope you did too. And like I said, as long as this, as long as I get one more listen on this episode, then Jeff's I I'm good to go. And thank you once again for tuning in for Demand Does. And if you could take a quick minute, if you hadn't already, please go on to your favorite podcast app and leave a review, leave a five star or the highest number of stars that you can give so more people can see the show. That's how it gets seen. So until next time, see, hear it, speak it, live.